Well, this morning I want to share with you a message that's burning on my heart, and that is to cultivate the mind of Christ. One out of seven people in the United States are dealing with depression and anxiety and fear and addictions to cope with all of these, what seems to be a mental assault upon us. I'm experiencing it. I don't know if you're experiencing it, but there's so much coming at us, so much in our minds, so much static that is going on. We live in an age where the principality of the power of the air is infiltrating our minds like never before. Some of you think it's simply information, but it's more than that. It's messages. There are messages that are being pumped into your brain that you're not even aware of through the commercials, through the radio, through your phone, through the podcast, through the music, through everywhere. You cannot go anywhere without messages being broadcast into your mind. It is rare that our minds get rest. Is anybody else feeling the struggle for this? Meditation on the word of the Lord is, is so necessary more than ever before. We live in an age where we are bombarded constantly. Many years past, people had silence. That's, what is that? And uh, I mean, we lost power. We're still without power the last four days. And I thought, oh, it would be nice and quiet. But all I hear are generators. There's no quiet. You cut off the power and we artificially make more. And we're so used to having noise and sound and information. Do you remember when you could only get the news once a day? No wonder everybody's distraught. We're constantly hearing of every calamity and every form of evil. You know the more you hear of something, the more you accept it and the more you receive it. And we have a barrage of evil and sin and the work of the enemy constantly going on in our heads. And I want to remind you what God wants us to do. He wants us to cultivate a mind of Christ. How are we going to walk in the apostolic? How are we going to walk in the prophetic? How are we going to walk as shepherding people, evangelizing or teaching others if we don't have the mind of Christ? We cannot do an act in the DNA of Christ and the gifting of Christ in our effort. You've got to have the mind of Christ to be apostolic. You got to have the mind of Christ to be prophetic because we're speaking Christ. If we don't have the mind of Christ, we're speaking us. And I'm tired of speaking me. I need to be in alignment with Christ, so I need to cultivate. God put a garden in Eden. Now, God created the heavens and the earth created the land, separated the land from the sea, and he created animals. But then he made a sanctuary, or in fact, you could call it a temple in the earth. He placed it in the country called Eden, and he called it a garden. More precise, it would be the temple of God in the physical realm on earth. And he put a priest in that temple named Adam. He wasn't complete till he had Eve. And there was the priests of the earth, those who would represent and cultivate and nurture and keep 
the temple of God. In fact, that's what he told them to do, to dress and keep the garden. To dress means to cultivate. They were to learn how this garden was cultivated, how it was from seed to plant to fruit. They were to dress the garden and learn this because they were to dominate the planet with the glory of that garden. And how many of you know what the glory of that garden was? God. They were to tend to the glory of God. Cultivate the glory of God because all of creation declares the glory of God. And as they're to dress and keep it, remember, Eden was within four rivers. It was geographically isolated with four rivers, and in that land was the temple or the garden of God. How many of you know they were going to outgrow that garden? And God said, I want you to take dominion. Cultivate the garden, cultivate the presence of God and bring it out into the land of Eden. How many of you know they were going to outgrow Eden? And they need to cultivate the glory of God to fill the whole earth. And in that cultivating, they were to also keep it, secure it, protect it. But protect it from what? The enemy. Right? Protect it against that which would break the unity between God and man. To dress and keep, to cultivate and keep the garden. Just like we're supposed to keep the commands of God. To secure them in our lives. To keep the mind of Christ that we have. To secure it and to cultivate that mind that God gave us. It was so important that it was holy That when they failed and when they participated in the knowledge of evil, it's more than taking an apple and biting it because God said not to. We don't even know if it was an apple. Some figure it might have been a fig. Because most of the time we try to cover up our sin with what we did. What'd they cover themselves with? Fig leaves. I don't know what fruit they ate. It's not about the fruit they ate, it's about the fruit they produced. Because to taste of it was rebellion. To know evil is to become evil. They knew good and evil now. They knew God, but now they knew and embodied evil because they rebelled against God in His presence. This is just coming to me live right now. We often say, how is it that Satan could rebel against God in his presence? Didn't Adam and Eve do the same? Didn't the devil tempt them to do the very same thing? Wasn't the word of God walking in the cool of the day? Weren't they in the temple of God? Weren't they in the presence of his handiwork? And they tasted of evil in the presence of God. How dare they? They chose themselves over God. And how often do we do this? Choose ourselves over God, even in His presence as He abides in us. It is so important that God let them know that the holy can't be trampled by evil. That He set up a cherubim. That cherubim had a mighty sword to keep them from bringing the profane into the temple of God. Is it any different for you and I? Are you and I not the temple of God? Paul says, know ye not 
that you are a what? Temple. You replaced the Garden of Eden. You replaced Solomon's temple. You replaced the temple of Israel. You are the presence of God in the earth. This is the temple where he dwells. We can't bring profane into this thing. But we do it every day. What are we allowing into our heart and mind? Paul said this, that you have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. How is it that we possess the mind of Christ? What is the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ it can be explained in Philippians 2.4. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself, right? And became a man and died. What's the mind of Christ? To be a son of God. To walk knowing that you are the Son of God. You are the daughter of the King. You are the temple of God. That's the mind of Christ. You and I, it's no longer a mystery. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God can do. That's the Old Testament. Paul goes on to say, but you know and have the mind of Christ. You have the Spirit. We know what God will do. We know what God can do. We can't bring the profane in. You and I need to set up a mighty sword and an angel to block it. So we need to cultivate the mind of Christ. What came into the garden? What were they to protect from? The serpent, weren't they? Now, what's interesting about this serpent... Again, there's a depth to the layer of the story of the Garden of Eden. There's more than just two naked people eating apples. It's the temple of God. It's the presence of God meeting with them. It is them rebelling in His presence from them because an intruder came in and spoke unto them something other than what God says. And they agreed with it. It's more than a talking snake the Hebrew word for serpent is seraph. Why wasn't Eve disturbed that she was talking to a serpent? Have you ever heard of seraphs? In Ezekiel, God says that there was this serpent that walked in the garden, filled with and covered with jewels, walking in the, the mountain of God. He was a covering cherub. He was a specific kind of angel. He was a seraphim. He was a snake-like. You know, the problem with our Bibles is most of the illustrations and ideas we have are from the medieval times. And so we have angels that look like people. But the Hebrew angels didn't look like people. I mean, do you ever read... Revelation? They look like eagles and cows and ox and human heads with many wings and different kinds of hands and, and so forth, right? The seraphim, we like them to look like us. They're white people. No! They're seraphim. They are, in fact, they look like serpents. 
with six wings. That's what seraph means. It was not unusual for the connectivity between heaven and earth at this time in a garden that Eve was talking to a seraphim as he came in from heaven, from falling and rebelling to God and speaking to her another story than what God said. And she believed it. How many of us have the enemy in our mind? How many of us have a serpent in our brain speaking lies to us daily? How many of us don't set the Word of God as a flaming sword that they don't enter in? Thoughts should not enter in to this temple that don't belong there. But we entertain them because we're used to talking to them. And we're in agreement. We're to have the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ only listens to the Father's words. Jesus said, every action I have ever taken is because I do what I see my Father doing. Every word that I spoke to you is not my word, but it is the word the Father has given to me to speak. I'm lucky if I get four words from God in the day. Most of them are mine. And most of them are useless. And stupid. And I have thoughts, thank God, that don't produce words, but thoughts that are from the enemy. I've been so saturated by this culture and its profanity, it's invaded my mind. How about you? I grew up in a household that did not cuss, did not swear. I never cussed, I never swore. But being in jobs and being at work with people that in and doubt every day, cussing and cussing, your mind is trained to respond with those. It's like, where did that come from? I don't talk like that. Why is my brain talking like that? What has become the favorite adjective on the planet now? Why that word? Because it's profane. Why is it in all of our brains? Because it's profane. And there is something profane in the temple of God. How many of you want to get rid of that serpent talk? How many of you want to cleanse your mind? How many of you want the pure mind of Christ? And stop agreeing with the serpent. I want to stop agreeing with the profane. I mean, you can't find a good PG-17, PG-13 movie any day, anymore. So you might as well watch an R. You know, I mean, I don't have to deal with the F-bombs. I, I, I can handle that. But I just need some good entertainment. Tell me what part of that movie was good. Did it make you chuckle? Did it make you laugh? Was it worth it to profane your mind once again? And what does it do? to our Father who cleansed us and washed us by the sacrifice and blood of His own Son. And we agree with the enemy once again. I'm fed up with it. And I'm talking about me. I am so fed up with this thing. It has been sanctified. It has been set apart. I'm coming to a place where I just want to agree with God. 
How am I supposed to walk in the apostolic? How am I supposed to walk in prophetic? How am I supposed to evangelize when my mind is so cluttered and distracted by the profane? The twisting. Hey, look at it. It doesn't even have to be cussing, swearing. It doesn't have to be uh, a sexual. It, it can just be judgmental. It can just be an attitude. It can be complete distraction. You know, if we're distracted, we're not going to do what we're supposed to do. We're the temple of God. We're supposed to be operating as a temple, which is a mediation between God and man to offer prayers for people to help them understand how to be forgiven. This is what a temple does, to pray. I don't know about you, but I'm so distracted in my prayer, I've got so much junk in my head. Satellites, I don't know how many satellites have been set up in orbit through my mind <laughs> that crash into my, into my brain. It's like, where did that come from? Now, Paul says this is what we have to do. You see, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap to the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap of the Spirit. I need to sow to the mind of Christ. It's not like we have to attain the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Say it with me. I have the mind of Christ. Yeah. Because you have the Holy Spirit. You now have the mind. You know what it is to have the mind of Christ? You have the mind of God operating in you what's he say to do he says this paul says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ that's second corinthians 10 5 this is what he says to do with the serpent thoughts with the thoughts that come in from the enemy be they neutral or be they profane, whatever they are, anything that's distracting us from the mind of Christ, we are to demolish them. Demolish the arguments. How many of you have arguments in your brain? Oh, I cannot get along with me. I have found I can't get along with the Spirit of God many times. How many of you, oh, it gets worse at night. You might as well just go to bed. But how many of you struggle with sleeping because of what's going on in here? Right? Oh, to have the peace of God that passes understanding. I argue with myself. How many of you argue of your value and worth with you, yourself? Come on, be honest. How many of you argue with whether you are worthless, an idiot, stupid, Come on, how many, I'm, I'm serious, right? Where does that come from? Does it come from God? Does God speak to you that way? You worthless piece of trash. Where does that come from? Where do you think? There's a serpent that is entering in. It doesn't even have to be a demonic thing. It comes right from our culture. It comes from everything we're listening to. We're to demolish those arguments. How do you demolish them? With the word of truth. That, that 
sword that stands before the sacred garden of God will demolish anything that tries to penetrate into the garden of God's presence. You're the garden. You're the garden. Jesus said this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't want to produce rotten fruit anymore. I'm tired of arguing with myself over my worth and my value. God defends me. His word defends me. Why are we not soaking that in? What takes us so long to run to God and quote his scripture about ourselves? End the argument. That was such a stupid thing for me to do. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I feel like such an idiot. Stop it. Run to God and get washed. He'll demolish every argument and every pretension. A pretense is an ideology. It's a concept. How many pretenses of the enemy do you and I believe? Instead of the ideology of the kingdom. How well do we know the concepts of the kingdom versus the concepts of this world? We're to demolish them, and what he says is we're to take captive. Take captive to make it obedient to Christ. He's telling us we have the mind of Christ, and we're going to take the rotten fruit and the rotten thoughts, and we're going to lock them up. Lock them up. Separate them from yourself. Lock them up and make them obedient to Christ. Consider that these thoughts, these rogue thoughts, these perverse thoughts, these other thoughts, put them under your feet. Trample on them. That's where God wants them. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. We are to put away these things and cast them down. They're vain imaginations. We entertain them too much. One thing the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to wrestle and argue over them. You need to let them go. You need to dismiss them immediately. I'll never forget the times when I was wrestling as a young man coming into Pentecostal churches. I grew up where you didn't say anything in church. You didn't do anything in church. You just sat there. And I remember entering into worship and learning how to worship and beginning to praise God. You know, when you start off like this. Thinking everyone's looking at you because you had one hand. Until you finally surrender and go, oh, God, God, God. And I remember praising God, worshiping. And then in my mind, some naked girl would show up and I would like, ah! Where did that come from? And I would spend the rest of the worship service going, I'm so unworthy. I'm such a loser. I can't believe, God, you're even looking at me. I can't believe I put that there. And the enemy wants me to just wrestle and argue with it. Till God showed me, you know what? It's a rogue thought. You put that in your brain when you were 12, looking at your brother's pornography. And it's floating around. And when it shows up, instead of wrestling with it, rebuke it. That's not me. I reject you, and I move on. 
Amen. I'm not supposed to argue with the enemy. Why am I arguing with a defeated enemy? Why am I arguing with thoughts that are stupid and rotten? Lock them up. Kick them out. So how am I going to walk in the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is the nature of God. And the nature of God's holiness is described to us by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Wasn't it a garden that was to bear the fruit? And what was the fruit of the garden that it was to bear? The glory of God. That garden is now in us. Eternal life is ours. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. We're to be producing the fruit. The fruit of what? His nature. And so I need to produce the fruit of His nature. And it is that same fruit that is going to guard my mind and cast everything that is opposing to this fruit out. And so I need to understand the nature of God. The fruit of the Spirit, we think it's just a delightful little personality issue. No, it is the very nature of holiness. Get to know the fruit of the Spirit. It's the nature of God. Paul interrupts the entire discussion on gifts and supernatural by saying if you don't have the fruit of His nature in it, it's a waste of time. So what is the fruit of His nature? Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I have goodness twice, don't I? Gentleness, thank you. Fidelity, gentleness. What a goofball I am. I, what an idiot I am! <laughs> I'm demonstrating what's going on inside my, my head. But I dismiss that thought. And know that God is patient and kind and good. It's an illustration going on for you right now. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness or fidelity, gentleness, and self-control. Amen? Now, if we would understand and stop arguing with those rogue thoughts and those ideas and Place them against the nature of God that is in your mind. Does this thought bring love and joy and peace to me? Does this thought bring the goodness and kindness of God, the patience of our Lord, the gentleness, the faithfulness? No, this is such an attack. It can come from no one else but the enemy. Now, there are times you and I need to be corrected, but God corrects with repentance of change of mind so that you'll see what is true. And He can minister that truth to you. And so this morning, I want you to understand that a fruitful life consists of cultivating and keeping, guarding and keeping the mind of Christ that you have. It is there that the tree of life bears the fruit of Christ. We have to maintain the mind of Christ. How many of you are ready to demolish the arguments of the enemy in your heart and mind? How many of you are ready to walk in the nature of God, the love, joy, peace? I mean, that's true holiness. That makes me want to be holy. How about you? Amen? What the church has done to holiness has perverted it. 
We think holiness is, is the way you dress and, 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 and these crazy moral actions. Of course, we're to be moral. But if we would walk in holiness, we would have the nature of Christ in our mind, walking in love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what guards our heart and mind. Have this mind in you. In fact, Paul says, and the peace of God, that's a fruit of the Spirit, surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ. That's what we're to do with the mind of Christ, which is the nature of God, which is the fruit of the Spirit. That is the sword that stands there. That's the guard that protects our mind. Anything opposing those nine things, you are to demolish and put away. You've got to act on this. I don't care how you feel. We're so caught up in how we feel. Stand on the Word of God. Not enough believers are standing on the Word of God despite how you feel, despite what you think. Stand on the Word of God by faith. And it will manifest the fruit of Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen.